Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Well, thank you again for joining us today on Bible Mysteries. This is Scott Mitchell, and I'm here with Zena. Hello. And we are going to talk about the strange things in the Bible again. We appreciate you listening last time. Last week's episode was about the world that was, and we found out that there was an entire civilization of angels on the earth before man. Had you ever heard about that before? I had not, actually. Not until we talked about it on the podcast. Well, that's cool, cool. And we're going to discover a lot more interesting things like that and just keep building on those topics, Zena. And, of course, you're here to sort of be the uh, the voice of, hey, what about that? You can be the healthy skeptic. You can uh, clarify if I'm not clear. And we want to talk a little bit today about your background. What is your experience or familiarity with Scripture and these things we're talking about? So majority of my family is Jehovah Witnesses. So while growing up, God was a big um, part of our life. I did not follow in their footsteps just because I want to go on my own journey and find God by myself and not be pushed into a lifestyle that I'm just not ready for at the moment. Right, right. I understand that. But you're familiar with the Bible, at least to the extent that you had that exposure from your family? Yes. Okay, cool. Well, the, the hope is that People that have maybe even never picked up a Bible can learn some things from this because our aim is not to talk to people that are very familiar with Scripture. And at the same time, people that are familiar with Scripture might have never heard of these unusual Bible mysteries. Like myself. Exactly. So that's where we're going to go with this with each episode. And believe it or not, today we're going to talk about the three heavens. I have never heard of the three heavens. So you've never been familiarized with the idea that there's three levels or three heavens? I have not. That's interesting. So your concept of heaven, if somebody had to say to you, Zena, describe heaven to me, what what would be your thought? I automatically go to, it's a place where we go when we pass away and God has accepted us in. Exactly. And most of us, I think, would agree that we think it's the place where God is. There's no more pain, no more sorrow. You know, yeah. we'll have bodies that will never hurt anymore and they'll be perfect. And that's true. That's all true. But people don't realize that there's actually three heavens and there's a reason for that. God actually had to do that as a result of what was going on when that rebellion took place in the world that was. So you might recall, we'll, we'll move to the uh, a synopsis of what we talked about last week, that we were looking at the creation story as a story of ruin and reconstruction, mm-hmm. right? Because there was a civilization of angels. God created the earth to be inhabited by them. They were called the sons of God in the book of Job. And Lucifer was an angel, a cherub, who appears to be sort of in charge of that dominion. He had had sort of like a king on the earth. And a rightly divided literal reading of the Bible reveals that the seven days of Genesis are not a description of the earth's original creation. 
and not, they're not some sort of enigmatic description of the Earth's geologic history. And people want to say, oh, the first day was a million years, the second day was another million years. It really wasn't like that at all. They were literal days, but the account of those seven days are the Holy Spirit's inspired scriptural account of how God Almighty regenerated the heavens. Now, how would you say he regenerated the heavens? Well, remember we talked about there was water on the face of the deep? Yes. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. So it, the verse 1 simply said, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and there was a period. It was a complete statement, and there wasn't any real description of how it took place. The second verse says, the earth was without form and void, darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So in a moment, we're going to talk about there's some elements that are already there. Why are they there? And you also might recall that when we talked about without form and void, there was a Hebrew phrase that I have trouble pronouncing correctly <laughs> called tovu ba vohu or something. And it we saw two other passages where it's used in the Bible in the Old Testament or Torah. And we see that it was used in connection to divine judgment in both of those instances. Yes. You know, God's wrath, God's anger. Mm -hmm. So why would it be any different in the first account, especially in light of what we've learned historically before man was made about Lucifer and the rebellious angels, mm -hmm. right? So we're going to dig into that a little bit. So this regeneration of the heavens to the earth is after a previous world order that was corrupted by Lucifer's rebellion and and a fall in Earth's ancient past. So man fell, but before man was created, angels fell. That's crazy to know that angels are not perfect as well. That's right. So some group of them certainly were. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, we'll find out that it looks like about a third of all the created angels were the ones that joined Lucifer in the rebellion. One third of, and the angels, the Bible says, are without number. So one third of without number is a lot. Right. I'm like, how many? <laughs> So why don't we go to Genesis chapter 1 again, and we'll kind of pick up where we left off. We saw the Spirit of God moving on the face of the waters, and verse 3 says, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So there's no reason for us to interpret that as anything other than a 24-hour period. Okay. Even though God has not yet made the sun, moon, and stars to give us those 24 hours, mm -hmm. right? So there was a day, and there's some interesting things about the day if we think about it. On the very first day of the Genesis days, right here, before God says, let there be light, there's several things that already exist. Specifically, the earth is there. Okay. There's darkness. There's the deep. And waters, which may be one and the same. Okay. So the question has to be, where did they come from? If in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and he started with the earth, something must have happened there. So that's why I contend that the original creation is verse 1. Reconstruction starts in verse 2. And then you have to ask, where did the darkness come from? Yeah, where did the darkness come from? And then we talked about that fall from Lucifer. So let's think of it like this. The heaven and the earth were created, and we'll call that the universe. Okay. Okay? And then we know there were angels inhabiting the earth. We know they had cities. They had kingdoms. They had a culture. Uh, and a particular individual named Lucifer was somewhat of a king of types. He was called the king of Tyrus in the book of Ezekiel. And he rebelled and took a number of angels with him in that rebellion, and God cast him out of heaven. 
He tried to ascend up and take the throne of God. Remember, we talked about what yes. a rude thing that was. I know, <laughs> so rude of it. And everybody loved that reaction you gave us about that. And it, I never thought of it that way, but you're right. How dare the thing created attack the creator? Right? You know, like, that doesn't make any sense. The audacity of that. But that's who he is. That individual Lucifer is who came to be known as Satan. And he's filled with pride. He's filled with desire for power. And he wants glory. He literally wants to be God. You know, it's unreal to think about. That is. So when he was cast out, the only other place remaining was the earth. And it looks to me like he corrupted that creation, the original creation, whatever was there. We don't know. The Bible didn't tell us specifically. But I would imagine there could have been animals. There could have been all kinds Mm -hmm. of plants and things like we see it now. And it looks like he tainted it. And there's no telling what all he did with it. But God saw it was so corrupted, he had to destroy the earth with a flood. And so the water and the deep there in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 was floodwaters. That makes sense as to why he had to reconstruct it. I was assuming, you know, God took earth and just, you know, just kind of made it go away and then he rebuilt it all over again. But that would make sense as to why he had the flood. Right, right. And I think, um, I think if you look at it from the standpoint of God's logical progression and the way he does things, he... We see water in Genesis 1, verse 2. We don't know where it came from, except we look at other verses and we look at the history of that ancient past. Mm -hmm. And then it begins to make sense. It's wrath. It was anger because of something that happened. When we jump forward to the flood of Noah, which we'll eventually tackle in this podcast, um, we see a corrupted earth and God had to flood that one. So there's a pattern of why he does things the way he does. And God, you're going to find out, is consistent We're going to also find out the importance of types and symbolism in the Bible, because we're going to learn that if he does something one time, he'll do it again, and one thing is a picture of another. Okay. And then we're going to learn even today that there's types of things that are in heaven that are on the earth. And what most people don't think of is that we're going to find out eventually heaven, as it will come to be known when there's a new heaven and a new earth, because God's going to do the whole thing again. He's done it before. So in in theory, there's going to be a total of three earths when God is finished with everything. And the number three is going to become very important. You're going to find how important three is in the Bible. We're going to look at that today because three numbers in the Bible represent something and three represents perfection. Okay. And when you think about it, just a short little introduction about numbers, not that we're going to get into that today, but one represents unity. You think about oneness. Okay. Two represents division, a split. Three, perfection. Four is related to the earth. God actually made the earth burst forth with life on the fourth day. Okay. And we have four seasons. Makes sense. The earth is four. Five is the number of death. And grace, interestingly enough, when you look at it compared to the New Testament, six is the number of man. Okay. Right? It's the number of man he was made on the sixth day. Okay. Right? And also, there is an entity in the Bible that's known as the Antichrist, and his number is the number of a man. It's six, six, and six. So that's a three and a six together. So we'll look into some mysteries about that. that is scary. It's very creepy. And seven is the number of completion. Seven is my favorite number because seven days in a week, right? Yes. Seven colors of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Seven notes in a scale. Very true. God is a mathematician. 
It's what we come to learn. Okay. And we're going to find out that the seven days of creation were seven literal days, but there's a verse in the Bible that says, to God, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Now, that's not a formula to say each day of creation was 1,000 years long. That's a formula to tell you something else, that there's been 6,000 years since that creation of reconstruction when God made man on the sixth day. 6,000 years have transpired since Adam till now. That's a long time. It's a long time. But think of it as six days. Okay. okay. Now, what is the term that you would hear most religious people describe the seventh day as? There's a word for that. That's a great question. I wouldn't really know. Well, it's a word you actually do know and you probably aren't familiar with, but it means seven. It's the word Sabbath. I've actually never heard that word. Oh, really? Oh, how interesting. Okay, so Sabbath is a Hebrew word. Okay. Which would explain why you've never right. heard it, right? Unless you study Hebrew. But they used to call Sunday the Sabbath, okay. when in reality it's not Sunday. We don't know when the first day was, weekdays, you know. Mm -hmm. And then what's interesting is our weekdays are actually named as uh, in English. Did you know our weekdays are named after false gods? I did not know that. So Thursday is named after the god named Thor. Thor's day. It's a Norse <laughs> god. You've heard of Thor, right? I have like heard the Avengers, Marvel, right? Well, then Monday is the day of the moon, right? It's it's related to something else. Saturn's day. Saturn is a god. Okay. Sunday, the sun god. Okay. Right? Uh, Wednesday. Ever wonder why there's a D in Wednesday? Yeah. Because it's from the old Norse Woden, which is Odin. Do you know who Odin is? I do not know who Odin is. You are not a Marvel Comics fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> Odin was the father of Thor. So Woden, Woden's day is Odin's day or Wednesday, right? No. <laughs> and Friday is Frigga, Thor's mother. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to read up on this more. <laughs> and it's interesting to think about. We Our, our calendar is so messed up. God's calendar was different. He didn't have... Um, there were 30 days in every month. Okay. The days were named by numbers, not days, you know. And um, there was, um, it was a lunar calendar. And we have a solar calendar. And everything got screwed up. I'm sure Satan had a hand in that. Naming days after false gods. Mm -hmm. Naming months after emperor gods. Augustus, okay. Julius. Makes right? sense. Right? And then screw the numbers up. September, October, November, December are Latin. Septem, octo, noem, decem, seven, eight, nine, ten. Mm -hmm. But September's the ninth month. October's yeah. the 10th month. How right. confusing is that? That is confusing. <laughs> so everything is weird. So when I talk about the fact that everything around you in the material world is designed to distract you from what's really going on, those are little examples okay. of how we never stop to think about it. Satan is behind so much that is intended to get your eyes off the spiritual realm. We focus on the things that we fight about, you know, politics, divisions, race, yeah. anything. People are always looking at a way to divide us because Satan's operation is divide and conquer. Yes. Always. So... If we ever came together, we'd realize we're all humans. Very true. The human race, one blood. We all bleed red, right? Very true. God made us unique, but he made us that way for a reason. We're going to be that way forever because he wants that. And there's supposed to be a unifying of all men, all mankind, you know? And I think we will eventually get there, but it's going to take God to do it. Yes, it you know? is. 
Man is so corrupted by sin that he focuses on everything negative. And you look at people and you think, and I'm the same way. I'm a human being. I'll be driving along. A guy cuts me off. And the things that fly out of my mouth are not godly at all, you know. But uh, And in that moment, in that instant, my anger takes over and emotion takes control. Yes. And then I remember a story, and this is just a short aside, but I remember a story somebody said one time where they were driving along in their own neighborhood and a car passed them weaving and bobbing like somebody was drunk. And they got furious and they watched them run run one red light. And then uh, they stopped at the red light and when they got the green light, they drove a little further and they caught up with that same crazy driver at a stop sign, stopped, and they thought, I'm going to get out and give that person a piece of my mind. So they walked over to the car driver's side window, which was down, getting ready to give this person the riot act. And there was a woman in the seat who turned and looked at him with panic in her eyes. And she said, thank God you stopped. Please help me. My baby's choking in the back seat. And there was a child in a car seat and she was trying to help her while she was driving in a total panic. And so the moral is, Everybody you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Yeah, that's why you should be kind to everyone. Exactly. And so our natural instinct is to get angry when, in fact, if we step back for a moment and look at things, we might realize there's another perspective we need to understand. Yes, you know? very true. So I like that. I do, too. I love that story ever since I heard it. But anyway, getting back to the podcast, <laughs> so much for the little life lesson. Uh, so in Genesis chapter 1, verse 6, we read, And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. So now we got the second day of reconstruction, creation completed, and we find out that, well, we knew there was water. Mm-hmm. We saw the deep. We saw the Spirit of God. We, we believe it's a flood that took place. And now God's dividing waters, and at first you're thinking, oh, yeah, he's going to make continents. He hasn't made the land yet. He makes something called a firmament. Now, the word firmament there is a Hebrew word that means like an expanse. Okay. Okay, so think of it like a big tent covering, all right? But he calls it heaven. So now we know what that is. It's heaven. But we already saw in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And now he's making something called heaven, and he called it heaven with a capital H this time. In the first verse, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, there's no capital H. Why is that? Something about this heaven is different. Okay. It's like God was trying to say, okay, there's something different about this. This heaven, capital H, is like a proper noun. He did the same thing when he called the day, day, and the night, night, capital D, capital N. So some, he was doing something unique about that. But here's what we're going to find out. If there's waters above the firmament, and the firmament is called heaven, then there's water in heaven, or above heaven, if you will. Yeah. Now, people want to say, oh, it's the clouds for the rain. Mm-hmm. You know it never rained on the earth until the flood came? Up really? Noah? We're going to find out that the earth, it, there was no rain. When Noah said, it's going to rain, there's going to be a flood, everybody laughed at him. He was building a boat in the middle of... Wherever. Yeah. <laughs> Not even on the coast. <laughs> and they're laughing at him. What are you doing? It's going to rain. What is rain? They didn't know what rain was. There'd been never any rain. We'll find out in the book of Genesis that every day a mist watered the ground. It came up. 
from the ground and watered the ground, like dew, but more thorough. Okay. Saturated, okay? So the rain had never happened. So people that say, oh, the water's above the firmament or the cloud vapor, and there was a vapor canopy, there's no, there's no proof of that. There's yeah. nobody who can believe that. So what if it was literally what God said? Water above heaven, and why would it need to be there? All right, let's see if we can figure that one out. That is a good question. So we go to the New Testament for an interesting passage. There was an apostle named Paul, not one of the 12, but he was actually the 13th apostle. 13 is an interesting number. (laughs) (laughs) Three. Yeah, 13 is the number of rebellion. Yep. My goodness. 13 is rebellion. You think about the the original 13 colonies rebelled Mm -hmm. in 1776, right? And 7 plus 6 is 13. (laughs) It makes sense when people say, oh, you're about to have a teenager because 13. Exactly. The terrible teens, right? Yes. (laughs) Teenagers rebel at 13. Paul is uh, the 13th apostle called by God. He wrote 13 epistles or letters. Mm -hmm. He's from the tribe of Benjamin which was the 13th child of Israel, and he was sent out to begin his ministry in Acts chapter 13. (laughs) But that's just a coincidence, right? right? (laughs) So he wrote a book to a church at Corinth called 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, he wrote two of them. And in 2 Corinthians, he talks about a man who was caught up to the third heaven. The third heaven. Did you ever hear about that? No. So we know there's at least three heavens. Okay. I I can't prove there's a fourth one, but I know there's a third one. Well, if there's a third heaven, then by reason, there would have to be a first. And a second. And a second, right? So in this vision Paul had, he was actually experiencing his own transportation into heaven. And where he went was also described in the Bible as paradise. He calls it that in the same passage. And we find out it's where God's throne is. So God is in the highest heaven, and that's where his throne is. It's okay. the third heaven. Okay, we'll call that the third heaven. All right, so if there's a third heaven, where did it come from? Well, we can prove some things about it in the Bible because, remember I told you God works with numbers? Yes. Well, three is an important number to him. It's perfection. God himself, according to many, is a triune God. One God, three in person, a father, a son, and a Holy Spirit. Okay. Not everybody believes that, but that's the way the Bible presents him. You are a triune person. Did you know that? I did not. You have three parts of you that you're made up with. You are a body and a soul and a spirit. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed, but to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. 
And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. Really? Yeah. And that's like, I think, a good analogy. It's not the best, but it's one I think of, is like a pneumatic tire. Okay. So if you think like a bicycle tire, there's an outer covering, the tire itself. Mm -hmm. There's an inner tube that goes in the tire, and then there's air you pump in the inner tube. The air would be like the spirit. Okay. The, and the word spirit, in fact, in Greek is actually the word pneuma, which means air, wind, and breath. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. Pneum pneumonia, right? Air, Makes lungs, sense. right? Uh, the soul, suke, or psyche, psychology, you know? Mm -hmm. Suke, psyche is the soul in Greek, and that's the inner tube. Okay. And then the outer tire is the body. The word for that is soma in Greek, right? I like that. Soma. Yeah, soma, S-O-M-A. So we, we, we have a body that contains a spirit, which contain, a soul rather, which contains the spirit. So God works in threes where creation is concerned, right? Now, let's look at another three. In Amos chapter 9, I'm going to pull up a, an Old Testament or Torah book, one of the prophets named Amos. <clears throat> and in chapter 9, he mentions this. Verse 6, it is he, God, it is he that buildeth his stories in the heaven and hath founded his troop in the earth. He that calleth for the waters of the sea and poureth them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. So stories in the heaven, you think of stories like of a house. Yes. Right? Well, how many stories are there? I bet there's three. Right. I'm, I'm going to bet there's three because of the number and the way it works. Um, Genesis chapter 6 is a description of Noah building the ark. So we're jumping way forward from the first chapter of Genesis because some time has now passed. Okay. Per perhaps 1,500 years or something like that. Something crazy. Something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. So in Genesis chapter 6, in verse 16, God is commanding Noah to build an ark. Now, you know the story of Noah's ark. Yes. Right? So it's a huge, huge boat. But did you know how many stories it had? No, I did not. It has three. Verse 16 of Genesis 6. A window shalt thou make to the ark, which is like an opening, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, which is a measure, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. Now, the ark is a type of something, too. It was a boat, but it was really, um, an ark is also considered like a coffin. How so? In the way that it uh, it is the word ark it comes from that in a in a in an origin like a, the um, what do you call it the etymology of words. Okay. So there's another ark that features in the Bible, which is called the ark of the covenant. It's not a boat; it's a container. Think of it like a jewelry box, but it's a little bigger. Okay. And inside that ark, they placed the original two Ten Commandments stone tablets that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai and the rod of Aaron, and uh, there were some other things in there, the manna that the children of Israel ate in the wilderness. And they put that in this box that had a lid, and on top of the lid were two cherubs beaten out of gold. The whole thing was covered in gold. And that box was placed in a place in the temple or tabernacle that was called the Holy of Holies. And the high priests of Israel could only go in once per year to offer a sacrifice for the whole nation and they would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the lid of the ark, which was called the mercy seat. So why were they only allowed to go in there once a year? Because of God's spirit and his glory dwelt in that room, in the tabernacle. 
Whoa. And so that person that was the high priest could only go in once a year, and he penetrated the veil. There was a curtain, a veil, Mm -hmm. and he walked through, and they put uh, um, little bells on the end of his robe uh, so they could hear him moving around because nobody else could go in there or they would die. So he had to wash himself, he had to offer his own sin sacrifice, and then he would offer the sacrifice for the children of Israel. And they tied a rope around his ankle. Because if something happened to him and he died, like let's say he had a heart attack, mm-hmm. well, the bells would stop tinkling. Well, they couldn't go get him, so they had to drag him out. My goodness. Yeah. So God was right. And all that was a picture of, believe it or not, the man Jesus would be born later, who's later called the high priest. Okay. God. So he takes, uh, it's a type role in the way the high priest worked, and he ended up making an offering for sins, but without an animal. He did it with his own blood, right? And the, and the holy of holies that he went into wasn't in the temple. Mm-hmm. It was the third heaven. The third heaven, is a, the, the temple is a picture of that. Okay. So that's where we're going to go next. So we got three stories in the ark, right? We got three stories in heaven, apparently from uh, the book of Amos. And then notice with me in Ezekiel chapter 41, another prophet of the Torah or Old Testament. And in Ezekiel chapter 41, they're describing um, uh, a a temple that's going to be built, uh, the temple of God uh, for Israel. And in verse 16, it says, the door posts and the narrow windows and the galleries round about on their three stories over against the door, sealed with wood, meaning the wood in the ceiling, round about and from the ground up to the windows, and the windows were covered. So even in the newly built temple, because there's not a temple now, there's going to be three stories. Three equals perfection. It really does. So in the scripture, we see three heavens, mm-hmm. three levels inside Noah's Ark, three floors in a section of the temple of Ezekiel, and believe it or not, there's three sections to Moses' tabernacle. So Moses built a tabernacle in the wilderness, right? God said, build it just like I say. So Moses commissioned these people that were given a gift by God to do all the workings, the engravings, the construction, the tapestries, the gold work, all Mm -hmm. of that were given a special spirit of God to to make these works. And so Moses' tabernacle and even Solomon's temple, another king of Israel, both had three main parts. They had the outer court. Okay. The holy place where the table, there was a table set up, there was a lamp. Uh, people in, of Israel call it the menorah, the seven uh, candle um, uh, lamp. Uh, incense altar was there. And all this was outside of a curtain that was called the veil. And beyond the veil was called the most holy place, which is where the ark was behind the veil, and that's where the high priest would go in to make that sacrifice. Okay. So three parts of the temple. So we can almost see a graphic image of this right here, and I, obviously people listening to the podcast can't hear this, but we see in God's heavenly tabernacle, and we're going to read a verse in a minute that tells you why it's that way, there's a court in yes. the third heaven, there's the holy place, and there's the throne of God. My goodness. Yeah. And then the tabernacle itself has the outer court. This is just a rendering, a drawing of it. The holy place section and in the very back is the most holy place. And we already talked about you. Man's body is called a tabernacle in the Bible. And you have three, body, soul, and spirit. Mm-hmm. The spirit is like the holy place. The soul is like the out, the, 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 
the section of the temple that's called holy, but not the holy of holies. Mm-hmm. And then the body is like the outer court. Okay. So very interesting when you think about it. It is. And then it ties into a passage that is in the New Testament of Scripture, which is the book of Hebrews. That's a that's a book that was written specifically to Jewish believers of the first century, right? Believers in Christianity. And in verse 1, the writer says... And he's been talking for seven chapters about a bunch of things. And he says, now, here's sort of the sum. Okay. He says, now, the things which we've spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. So Moses was constructed to make a tabernacle, but it's a picture of the true one in heaven. So this high priest that the author is saying is in heaven now with God. And that's the true sanctuary. Okay. The tabernacle is a picture or type of the true, the one in heaven. And then he goes on to describe something about the high priest. He says, every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer the high priest he's talking about. Okay. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, the law of Moses, right? Mm -hmm. They had a priesthood. They did their courses. They all served. And they serve under the example and shadow of heavenly things. Example and shadow is a type. Okay. An example and a shadow is they, they did what they did on the earth because it's a picture of something in heaven. And he says, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, God says to him, see, thou make all things according to the pattern shown to thee in the mount. And it was in Mount Sinai that God showed him the pattern. In other words, he said, make it exactly as I tell you, because it's a picture of my throne. It's a picture of my heaven. It's crazy that they were able to recreate it off of just of what he said. Right. Which is why God had to give them that special gift of his spirit to give the men and the women that contributed and worked on it the wisdom to know. Because when they were designing something, the embroideries of the pomegranates and the curtains or Mm -hmm. the, the gold plating of this or that, they had no idea what God's heaven looked like. Right. So God put it in their minds. That's awesome. To make it that way. It's really, really interesting. Now... Here's a graphical image, then, of what we've got in the three heavens. We're going to find out, according to Genesis, if we go back to Genesis chapter 1, that heaven that we were just now talking about, that firmament was to divide water above from water below. And we're going to talk about that water in more detail in the next podcast. Okay. But we're talking about the three heavens right now. So if you'll notice in Genesis chapter 1, We're going to go to, let's see, um, I want the birds here. Oh, it's verse um, 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. All right, fowl or birds. Okay. So birds fly in the open firmament of heaven. Well, I may be from Louisiana, but and I'm not the brightest bulb in the pack, right? <laughs> but I can look up and see where birds fly. They fly in the sky, in yeah. our atmosphere. So the open firmament must be the atmosphere that we can breathe in and fly in yeah. and birds fly in, all right? And we already talked about the third heaven. That's where God's sanctuary is. It's the heaven above all heavens. It's paradise. It's where God's throne room is. It's where the sanctuary was t- uh, patterned after it. So the second heaven is the starry heavens. 
Re- where we so can't cool. breathe. Outer space, right? Okay. Outer space. And in fact, if we go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, it said, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the sun. Okay. Lesser light to rule the night, which is the moon. And he made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. So the firmament of the heaven would be the second heaven. It's not the open firmament where the birds fly, which would have to be the first. Yes. And it's not the third where God's throne is. Mm -hmm. And come to find out, the water above the firmament separates the second and third heaven. I wonder what this water looks like. Well, we're going to find out next podcast. It is a frozen sea of glass. Very interesting. You ever heard of the term, the sea of glass? I have not heard of that yeah. term. There's a, it's only used in the Bible one time. And we're going to find out what it was for. And it was literally to take the tainted, corrupted world mm-hmm. because Lucifer introduced sin into God's creation and keep it separate from God, who's perfect and righteous and holy yes. in his third heaven. That is so awesome. So the first heaven you would consider earth. Earth and its sky. Okay, earth and its sky. And the second heaven you would consider just out of space. Outer space where the planets are. And incidentally, you know who dwells in outer space? I'm hoping Lucifer. And his angels. They deserve it. That's right. They deserve (laughs) it. And that's their realm. They're called the prince of the power of the air, spiritual wickedness in high places. They're not in God's heaven. And that water, we're going to find out next week, God froze it, and it's a barrier to keep the bad angels from getting in. Good. They shouldn't be allowed up there (laughs) making bad choices. That's right. They make very bad choices. So um, the third heaven, then, is where God's throne is now. But what a lot of people don't understand, and this is true, I think, of... Well, interestingly enough, so remember, the Bible is actually an Eastern book. It's it's from the East, Middle... You know, most of it was written in Israel. Um, Some of it was written, perhaps, in... um, like uh, Babylon during the captivity. Mm-hmm. And some of it was written in different, like Paul's epistles were written in different nations, like where, wherever he was. He wrote some from Italy, he wrote some from Greece, some from Turkey. Okay. But it's an Eastern book. And it's not Eastern in the sense of it's Eastern mysticism, but I want people to think of it in terms of the Eastern mindset at the time. You know, we as a, a scientist today would not describe the earth sun setting and rising. Mm-hmm. The earth rotates on its axis. Yes. And so we have day and night. But the Bible says the, earth, the sun sets, the sun rises. Okay. Well, that's how man views it. So man in the east didn't know about the rotation of the earth necessarily at the time, but he saw the sun rise in the east. He saw it set in the west yeah. every day. So that picture is the metaphor God can use to describe things. Because that's what man would understand. Well, we can understand rising and setting of the sun, but there's other things that man would have known back then that were from an Eastern mentality. Mm -hmm. And so man would not have understood heaven the way we think of it today in a Western way. Now, when I was growing up, I used to watch a cartoon called Sylvester the Cat, right? And he was always trying to eat Tweety Bird. Yes. Right? Yes, yes. (laughs) So... 
Every, you know, cats have nine lives. Yes. <laughs> so every time he did something stupid and he died, his little number two, number three would go up yes. to heaven. And they would show him with little wings, f- playing a harp <laughs> with a halo around his head, sitting on a cloud. That's not heaven. That's no, not heaven at all. Not at all. <laughs> so, and it's, if it were, it would be so boring, you know? Mm-hmm. So heaven is literally different than people realize. The third heaven, where God's throne is, is a temporary dwelling place for him. It is not permanent. And the ancient way of thinking, the Eastern way of thinking, especially among the Hebrews, it never occurred to them that a man would die and go up to heaven to be with God. Mm -hmm. Their entire way of thinking was based upon resurrection, that when they died, they would be resurrected someday to stand on the earth and to go into their promised land, Israel, Canaan. Okay flowing with milk and honey, where would dwell righteousness. So the ancient Israelite looked forward to a, a, a righteous man dying, would rise up from the dead on the appointed day. It's written about in the book of Ezekiel. The, the bones come together. You ever heard that song about the knee bone connected to the shin bone? Yes. It's from that book. It's from the prophet Ezekiel in the Torah. And so they all, the bones are all going to come together, and then sinews are going to cover them, and then skin is going to cover them, and they're going to stand up on their feet, and it's the whole house of Israel. And they're going to go in through resurrection into their land. And that's all they ever looked for. It never conceived to their mind that they would die and go ascend up to be with God. Yeah. Because ultimately what's going to happen, and there are some people that do ascend up to go be with God in a temporary heaven. It's called the intermediate heaven. Okay. Anybody that you know and love that is a person that is saved, if you will, if I can use that term, is with God now in that heaven. But the ultimate end is God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and he's going to come down to earth and dwell with men. When all sin is erased, when all death is put down, everything, there's a time, and it's going to be at the end of the seventh day. How interesting. Now, here's what's interesting. So a day with the Lord is is a thousand years, we mentioned, and a thousand years is one day. Been 6,000 years since Adam till now, six days. The seventh day is about to begin, the next thousand-year period. Mm -hmm. It's the Sabbath, right? Yeah. The Jews recognize the Sabbath as the seventh day. It is a picture of the 7,000-year timeline of man. And in that timeline, there's a king that's going to come down, reign on the earth for 1,000 years, and will finally put down all the enemies of God. Satan will be ended. The bad angels will be Good. ended. Yep. And, uh, and then all sin will be eradicated and death. And there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow in a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to go all the way full circle to where it started in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And we find that in the last book of the Bible, which is the book of Revelation, chapter 20, 21. So there's a new heaven and a new earth. And um, when that new earth is created, God comes down and brings his throne room with him. And it's in a city. Do you know what city? I do. And we're going to talk about that city too. <laughs> it's a city that is 1,500 cubic miles large. And the streets are paved with gold. That's a beautiful city. It's called the New Jerusalem. And it comes down to the earth 
which will be new at that time. So wherever, where's God, where would God put a 1,500 cubic mile city today? That's half the United States. I don't know. <laughs> well, in the new earth, he'll, there's going to be a place for it, and it's going to be on his holy mountain. So it's interesting. There'll be a city there, and uh, there'll be nothing but righteousness at that point. So no more death, no more sorrow, and he's going to wipe away all tears, according to the scriptures. But that's the ultimate heaven. It's on the earth, and we're going to be human beings on the earth that will never die. We're going to know each other. We're going to build. We're going to create. We're going to sing. We're going to write poetry. We're going to explore the planets. We're going to do all kinds of interesting things. It's not like you just sit up there and play a harp. You know, we're going to have interaction. We're going to discover. You know, it's not like you're going to get up there and God's going to say, okay, here, now you know everything. Yes. We're going to say, God, what about this? And he's going to say, go build a spaceship and I'll show it to you. You know, and here's how you do it. That's super exciting. Or even better, he might say, well, here's a book. Go read it. (laughs) Go discover how to build that starship. You know, And who knows what worlds we'll see because the universe is gigantic. It is. It's never ending, you know. Mm -hmm. So we'll be spending eternity exploring what God created. It's amazing to think about. It sounds very lovely. And very exciting, yes. So, with that thought in mind, we'll stop today because we're going to talk about that water and the sea of glass on the next week's podcast. I hope you'll join us. Yes, please do. And I thank you for being with us here today. Remember, we're the Bible Mysteries Podcast on Unlock the Bible Now Network. So, we appreciate you joining and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at UTBNow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.